0: visit energycitizens.org paid for by the american petroleum institute
1: hello everyone and welcome to history of the second world war on this episode of our spanish civil war interview series i was joined by charlotte walmsley a phd researcher focusing on post-conflict gender violence gender violence is a term that we use several times in this interview and so i thought it would be good to give a clear and concise definition of the term I am by no means an expert on the topic, but there is a good quote here from the European Institute for Gender Equality. You can find more links about this type of information in the show notes. Quote, Gender-based violence and violence against women are terms that are often used interchangeably, as it has been widely acknowledged that most gender-based violence is inflicted on women and girls by men. However, using the gender-based aspect is important as it highlights the fact that many forms of violence against women are rooted in power inequalities between women and men. With that in mind, let's get to the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spanish Civil War interview series. Today, I'm joined by Charlotte Walmsley, a PhD researcher focusing on post-conflict gender violence, including that which occurred after the Spanish Civil War. Charlotte, thank you for joining me today. How's it going? It's,
0: it's, it's going well, thank you. It's going well. It's, it's 2020, so it's, uh... <laughs> it's an
1: experience.
0: It's, it's an experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. But thank you so much for having me on.
1: Okay. When we look at Spain during the Second Republic, uh, what was the state of women's rights before the Civil War began?
0: Okay, so I think to analyze the state of women's rights before the war began, I think it's important to go back a little bit further um, than the uh, Second Republic in terms, in order to kind of contextualize the gains that had been made under the Second Republic. So, in order to sort of understand Spain at the the turn of the century, we're talking about an overwhelmingly agrarian country uh, with incredibly high rates of illiteracy, very uneven process of uh, industrialization. And so sort of within that context, you have such high illiteracy rates as sort of, uh, we're looking at sort of at the turn of the century, sort of around 71.5% of women are illiterate um and it's only in 1909 that women are um able to sort of uh, <laughs> it's it becomes mandatory for women to go to primary school up until the age of 12. so in this sort of within this context um it's sort of a very traditional society particularly in sort of rural areas like andalusia um where uh the state of, of sort of gendered relations is is very uh traditional um and of course, before the Second Republic, you have uh, a military dictatorship as well uh, under Primo de Rivera until 1930. So when the Republic um, is established in 31, they have uh, they established a constitution. And within the constitution, this it sort of lays the groundwork for enormous gains within a very, very short period of time. Um, so within that, in 1932, they have they um, put in place uh, the mo- some of the most sort of progressive divorce legislation across Europe, um, which obviously is sort of really jars with, with the sort of the, that sort of backdrop. Um, and also they um, put in place female suffrage. So although there is actually, even amongst uh, women socialists, so Margarita Nelkin who's uh, uh, involved in the, the Spanish Socialist Party at this time, is actually frightened about women getting the right to vote because she fears that they will actually prop up um, the right. So there's a sort of there's 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 a lot of misgivings about women getting the vote across the political spectrum in this period. Uh, just because, as I said, sort of the state of education for women is, is questionable, particularly in rural spaces, and um, you have an overwhelming power of, of the Catholic Church within the education system as well. Um, but Yes, you have these, in this very short window of time, these huge gains that are made um, in terms of women's rights. Um, But of course, then in the 1933 elections, you then, when women vote, and it's not just because of women, but then there is a return to sort of, a right-wing coalition uh, comes in and and you have what's known as the sort of uh, the Bienio Negro, the the two dark years or, or black years, where a lot of the gains that are made Uh, sort of their attempts to sort of stymie any further social progress and so you have like an an, an, what is an incredibly divided society Um, so before the spanish civil war erupts 1936 you have the the left-wing popular front um coming to power but obviously huge social divisions Um, and so sort of some historians such as uh, joe labany and helen graham have talked about how you know, the Spanish Civil War is all about um, fighting uh, sort of conflicting cultural models of Spanishness, as well as different sort of economic understandings. Um, So within that context, you have these enormous gains, uh, but also uh, a huge amount of backlash and and sort of contestation around that. Um, And I guess,
1: so when the war starts, we start seeing the trend of, of women at least on the republican side going to the front in in militias and things Um, but that practice was curtailed on the republican side Uh, do do you know sort of what led into to that change
0: well it's it's really really fascinating because again there's this sort of this this really quick sort of shift again so in 1936 there's never there's, there's not a sort of a targeted call for, for women to join the front lines, but what you have is a spontaneous sort of movement. You do have women coming forward and, and, and sort of going to the front to fight, uh, which is, you know, it, it is quite remarkable in, in this context um, that women were putting themselves forward. Um, however, in a very, you also have women in the rear guard, you have women sort of, uh, the idea is that they should be able to defend cities as well, um, but yes, you have women fighting on the front line as um, milicianas, and um, within this, within this, you have initially it, 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 there's, a, there's a they're used a lot for sort of propaganda. So they're used um, in the Republican press. They're also used as a sort of I suppose motivation for, for men to join the front. You know, you see these women are joining the front, and so there's also sort of an uncomfortable undercurrent there. Uh, in terms of that sort of messaging um, and you do have some very prominent women uh, female milicianas uh, within this sort of um, Mica Echebe sorry I can't pronounce her name Mica Echebe- um, who sort of leads a column um, within this period in 1936 again this sort of short period <laughs> um, but sort of by uh, September 1936 Largo Caballero who is The the prime minister at the time, head of government, um, is is, is already sort of making calls for for women to be taken from, taken back from the front. So um, some women refuse. Um, It's obviously in terms of women on the front line, we're talking about a small number of women. So the the historian Mary Nash thinks around sort of, we're talking in the hundreds, maybe 200, potentially even under 200 women. but yes in a very short period of time this window of opportunity i suppose um uh, is sort of very quickly closed um and george orwell talks about this as sort of the the framing of these women has gone from eulogy to discredit in a sh- very very short period of time and so the motivations for that um are, are numerous one of the one of the arguments is, is that there's a view that so there's it wasn't Across the left, that ever in nineteen thirty six, when women were fighting on the front lines, that all of the leftist parties were were pro this. So the uh, the Socialist Party was not. Uh, the Socialist Party argued that argued for the sort of the home front heroine rather than the, uh, the front line militia. Um, and there was sort of a lot of gendered anxiety around uh, women carrying guns and um, and fighting at the front in trench warfare, even though as a sort of memoirs attest that is what these women were doing and they were perfectly capable of doing so uh, while also unfortunately bearing the double burden of, uh, of, of their gender by also being expected to take on a lot of auxiliary tasks sort of cooking, cleaning, sewing uh, and things like that um, but there is this sort of real shift and that these women are framed very quickly as sort of there's, there's concerns around sex on the front lines um, there's concerns, interestingly, though, there's no concerns around sexual harassment of women on the front lines. Of course not. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's all about the concern about, uh, about sex and sort of sex, sexual intercourse at the front lines. Um, there's concerns about venereal disease. Uh, in 1937, there's sort of, um, the small amount of documentation there is points to sort of surges in, in venereal disease, although a lot of people argue that that was happening more in the home front on the home front uh, which is curious in itself um rather than on the front lines um and there's also sort of a framing of these women as, as as prostitutes as well so there's a sort of again these appeals to sort of appropriate feminine morality appropriate feminine behavior um despite the fact that these women fought in in quite significant battles along the aragon aragon front around along guadalajara but these women were very quickly sort of by bi- 1937 there's this real shift and 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 away from that um and it, it's kind of there's there's something it, there's something very sort of um I, I suppose quite sort of depressing about that because it's sort of initially there's this sort of the valorization of of, of, of the melissiana and then very quickly this sort of fall from grace um and and, and it's sort of centered around these gendered anxieties, anxieties around sex, anxieties about appropriate roles um, for women. Um, but also, I mean, even within even within the calls for for people to join uh, the front uh, for men as well, there's sort of appeals to very traditional views of, around you know masculinity. Sort of um, you know, women were encouraged in sort of 1937, 1938 to denounce the cowards, the able-bodied men who were not fighting at the front. So it's sort of, it's still functioning within a very sort of gendered space, even on the left, um, understandings of the war. So it's quite complicated.
1: So we've talked about the, the propaganda used by the Republican forces in the left. But on the other side, you have Franco and his coalition, I guess, uh, on the right, and they have very different views of gender roles within society. So, so how are these women who are fighting, but but also you know women just in general on the Republican side, um, how are they portrayed in Francoist propaganda? I guess.
0: Um. Well, as you can imagine, uh, quite negatively. So, you <laughs> there's so much of. The 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 Frank the the sort of the uprising and and the coup led by the nationalist rebels and sort of headed by by Franco is sort of framed as a crusade for Spanishness, and so within that sort of ideological structure, you have the ideas of, of sort of a return to imperial Spain, a return to sort of military Spain, a return to order, and within that, of course, there's obviously some very very clear gendered hi- hierarchies and, and structures, and so. The figure of the the miliciana is 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 a sort of a real um, ideological thought, thought um, there in terms of you know representing you know this sort of mannish woman. This they refer to them as sort of the non woman. They talk about um, the the miliciana as a bestia roja, a sort of a red beast. This sort of un non-woman and and that's such a a source of anxiety because again kind of going back to that context um when we were talking about education for women in the in the uh the first part of the the 20th century the catholic church was 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 so against any sort of co-education so women and men being taught together and that this would sort of unravel the fabric of society Um, and so these idea of gender roles is so integral to a sort of understanding of Spanishness, an understanding of women as you know um, as caregivers um, and so this is hugely destabilizing um, and again there's sort of understandings of it it all comes back to also a lot of sexual anxieties as well um, in terms of you know these there's later on in, in sort of at the end of the the Spanish Civil War. You have uh, a prominent uh, Francoist uh, psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Antonio uh, Vallejo Najera, who studies with the red women um, and, tries to, and, and tries to identify a red gene. And the idea of these women as, having, as, as being militaristic or inciting violence because of their sort of latent sexual appetites. And so it's sort of all within this framework of this sort of dangerous, deviant um, dissident female behavior and sexuality and um, strength which is so alien and then you have as you have as well kind of comparative to sort of a lot of the women's movements on the left you have the emergence of um in 1934 of uh, la Sección feminina the feminine section which is the kind of the female counterpart for the francoist militia the Falange, um and that's headed interestingly by by a woman. So all these women are sort of empowered within the Francoist structure, but only within very strict limitations. And their sort of idea is all about sort of teaching what it is to be a woman in Francoist Spain. And so this, these again, these conflicting cultural models of femininity um, and within that, and then later on you have the sort of the emergence of the Patronato de Protección a la, uh, a la mujer, which is in 1941, this idea of this board of protection for women. Um, in early Francoism, which is all about sort of promoting appropriate female morality and behaviour, and again a sort of a close uh, interweaving with a lot of sort of um, ca- very traditional Catholic morality, um, and so of course this is sort of the the, fi- the figure of the of the the fi- of the feminine um, the feminine soldier, the combatant, is 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 so odds with. Uh, those sorts of cultural understandings um and they you know in their in sort of in testimonies and memoirs um women female militia so Mika can, I will always struggle to pronounce her name <laughs> and um and also but also the example of Lina Odena who was who was who was who was one of the, is known as sort of a, a female martyr, a uh, Melissiana, who, who killed herself uh, instead of being captured by the Francoist troops because of her fear of what would happen to her, um, and sort of this sort of becomes a site of of discomfort as well that these women faced huge violence. So mike Echeverri talks about how women would cut their hair so that their hair couldn't be shaved when they if they were taken by uh, the Francoist troops, or there was sort of uh, a lot of fears around sexual violence, about what would happen to them? And in the case of Lina Adena, she chose to 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 shoot herself rather than to be taken um, by the Francoist troops. And so there's, we, although there's a lot of denial in the Francoist press. You know, we would never do this. And there is a lot. There's a culture of denial around the violence against uh, leftist women um, in the Francoist press as well. Um, but yes, no, a, a culture of real sort of suspicion, distrust, and and um, and sort of violence against sort of leftist women absolutely
2: So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So, so you mentioned that uh, there are women who are very concerned about being captured. Uh, obviously, we know that the Spanish Civil War does not go well for the Republicans. And so for women who were imprisoned by the Francoist forces and the Francoist regime, I guess, after the civil war, what were conditions like in prisons and concentration camps? I assume they were like separated based on what you've said about, about gender sort of places within that society.
0: So yes, absolutely. There's this, a sort of separate spheres logic that kind of um, goes into the sort of the, the what Helen Graham talks about, this the Frank, uh, Franco's prison universe as well. Um, so you have you have huge numbers of, of incarcerated women um, in the aftermath of uh, the Spanish Civil War, but also like as different regions are taken over. So so in areas I, I focus a lot um, on Andalusia, and so for sort of areas like Seville, they're almost. Uh, in one interview, uh, I was told, you know, that we never had a war; we just had repression because they're taken over so quickly. Um, and so within that context, um, women, leftist women, or you know, wives, daughters, sisters of, of well-known either Republican fighters who may have been absent also um, at the time that these areas were taken over. They may have been fighting at the front. Women were incredibly vulnerable, um, even if they weren't necessarily particularly politically um, engaged. Um, and so you have um, mass crowding of prisons. So one uh, one example that is um, helpful, I think, to illuminate this is uh, the example of Las Ventas, which is one of the most infamous prisons um, of, of this period uh, in Madrid, which was originally set up by Victoria Kent, who was um, in charge of prison reform under the Second Republic. Um, and during this sort of... She, The idea was this was the example of sort of Republican progressive views on um, prison reform and rehabilitation. It was a prison for women. It was meant to house, you know, women in their hundreds. And it ends up housing women in their thousands uh, under Franco. Um, And so you have mass crowding of prisons, sometimes women, you know, pregnant women. You have women on sort of the charges I've gone through. um, As part of my research, I've gone through a lot of the. the files for women who were in prison during this period and it's in incredibly tenuous claims so it's it can be things sort of as as vague as inciting violence um so they don't necessarily have uh, even had to um have have um, have committed acts of violence themselves they may have incited acts of violence um and it could be connections and and so as well like at the end of the of the Spanish civil war you have the 1939 law of political Responsibilities, and so that means that anyone who supported the popular front or anyone who supported the second republic could be accused of supporting um the 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 military they frame the leftist defense of of of, of spain and of uh, the republican democracy as as a rebellion itself so it's a sort of really quite clever propaganda game.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> Um, And then huge. So so you could women were very, could very easily be accused. And, you know, these very dubious uh, trials Um, and it's uh, thanks to the work of um, Tomasa Cuevas, who herself was imprisoned um, uh, under, um, under the Francoist regime, sort of collected all of these different testimonies of women. Um, there's a lot of discussion about sort of women having their heads shaved in prison, there's a lot of discussion about the sort of the scarcity of food, there's discussions around use of um, torture, sort of using electric shock, there's a huge, uh, alongside of course, execution, um, it, you know, the, some of the level, the levels of violence are really quite, in some cases quite medieval, the, the one case I came across of, in Seville was a uh, one poor woman who was killed by Garot. So there's it's it's a really quite a bleak picture for women. Um, you know, obviously in comparison to to sort of male um, population in prisons um, and concentration camps, it's lower, but it's still a massive surge. So in the initial sort of periods that that sort of zones are taken over, the female population rockets uh, disproportionately to sort of Average rates of female criminality, um, as it were, huge surges.
1: Um, when reading about the experiences of women in these situations, you sent me over some some information to read, and this will be linked in the in the show notes for anybody listening. It, it almost feels like the sort of imprisonment, the the public humiliation, the mental and emotional abuse that these women suffered was fueled almost by a, like a belief that they were infringing upon some fundamental part of Spanish culture and that that had to be punished in some way. Uh, do you think that's an accurate assessment of, of what's happening?
0: I would absolutely agree with that assessment. I, I think the, the, the culture of violence and, and the kind of the ecosystem of violence um, in this period is, is one of exemplary violence. So women are sort of publicly shamed. Um, so in in sort of the early Spanish Civil War, there's a report written by the International Red Cross in the Basque country, and they talk about how all of these parades of women who've had their heads shaved, who are taken through uh, taken through towns and cities. This is happening in rural and urban spaces, um, having their head shaved, forced to to do um, fascist salutes, um, forced to wear signs. Sometimes they'd be forced to sort of wear um, sort of the monarchist colours um, to sort of Further humiliate them. Um, there's also the the forced sort of ingestion of castor oil, um, which is particularly barbaric because it basically causes it causes it it's a laxative, so it causes women to be violently sick. Um, or it causes women to sort of be unable to to control themselves, and so there's this sort of very physical purging, um, sort of on the streets, this, this humiliation. Um, of these women who are made sort of hyper visible as, as examples, not, it's not just to break their spirit, but also to send a message to the wider community about what are, what is appropriate female behavior um, and what is, um, and what is the role of women in Spain. And so you have these sort of, again, these opposing models of um, sort of the, 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 the exaltation of sort of, the sort of very traditional values of femininity um and then uh, along catholic lines along sort of religious lines this sort of and the sexy on feminina very much promotes this idea of the sort of the submissive woman as mother this idea of sort of obedient um obedient female heroines and then on the other side you have these sort of the red women are viewed as sort of figures of degeneration. Um, and and of sort of a loss of order, a loss of control, um, and and that's the sort of the message that is spread within the community. Um, and it's also, I, I suppose, it's also the fact that they were sort of really easy scapegoats as zones were taken over. If what if men were absent and and they couldn't publish, they couldn't um, they couldn't publicly uh, they couldn't publicly punish Republican soldiers in the same way um but they could then punish their mothers their sisters their wives their daughters um and so it becomes the sort of there's a lot of discussion around sort of the spectacle of violence um and sort of sending messages uh, into the white into the wider community and i think these women were absolutely viewed as a threat to traditional spanish motherhood and and within the sort of first few years of francoism you have um You know, the 1931 Constitution that gave women the right to vote—that well—that gave women sort of the right to divorce and all of these different things. 1931, 1932, all of that is undermined, and you instead have the Civil Code of 1889 put in, which makes (laughs) which makes women uh, legal minors. Um, So uh, their husband—that sort of enshrines the idea of, of of women as as sort of unequal. Uh, to men and and you have it enforces the idea of patria potestad so the supremacy of the father so and, and of the husband and so women lose all, all of their rights really within this period um, and then you have the promotion of, of these sort of very traditional um, views of womanhood and these women don't fit within that and this is I, I suppose that this this idea of public punishment you could frame it as sort of a means to purge them of, of their past and, and there's a sense of redemption, but there's still huge amounts of stigmatization and ostracization of these women afterwards as well. Um, and some of these women are in prison for absolutely years for incredibly nebulous uh, crimes.
1: So, uh, you know, after the war, we have several decades of sort of Franco in power. Um, did the prevalence of, of gender violence sort of change or evolve in a meaningful way uh, during this period, or did reforms really have to wait until after
0: mm-hmm. so within as, as 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 i was sort of saying in terms of the, the civil code um it's incredibly difficult for women to voice any complaints and it's incredibly women can't get divorced contraception is uh is 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 no longer is no longer legal legal you have all of these sort of controls upon women's behavior and you have in 1941 the what what I was talking about before in terms of the patronato de Protección a la mujer the board of protection of women um you have a structure where in sort of women who do not fit within female morality appropriate female morality can be punished and you have women who so unwed mothers are uh, can be taken in by the state and their their children their children are then sort of taken taken from them so women lose a lot of unwed mothers are sort of disempowered but then you also have if you're a you know a wife and a mother you have no power comparative to your husband um and so it's in, it's incredibly difficult for women to voice any sort of complaint there's no really no real protection in place for them within this you know there's into the 40s um prison prison violence is still is still described in in memoirs and testimonies um, you still have the use of head shaving although this is much less common in this period um, but women can still be arrested on very dubious claims for, for under the law of political responsibilities um, and it's just this culture of it's it's very hard it's it's there's been such a, sh- a sort of regression that it's, it's very hard to sort of see any opportunity for things to really change in a meaningful way um, I think the sort of the extremes of violence that you see in the Spanish Civil War abate um, but in terms of it's, it's incredibly difficult really to quantify but if you were to look at issues such as domestic abuse there are no real protections women can't get a divorce women can't escape these sorts of confines um and so it's it's incredibly kind of difficult to look at it in in and sort of say that there's there's much improvement there um and it's sort of within this 1960s and 1970s there is some sense of progress in that um women are starting to go to university um in larger numbers and there's sort of there is there is some sort of questioning there but you still have women in certain sectors are you know are discouraged from being married and continuing to work. Women can't open a bank account when they're married uh, without the permission of their husband. So you have a lot of um, still very sort of progressive, um, regressive policies and and attitudes uh, towards women. However, in the 70s, there is a sort of a push. There is a push by by some activists uh, to change the civil code. Um, And in fact, Franco, allows a commission to sort of edit the um some sections of the civil code to give women um more rights and this does go through in 1975 but of course this is when uh, his his um the dictatorship comes to an end and he he dies um but you it's sort of a really slow burn um in terms of any sort of change regarding women and as well you still have a culture of censorship of extreme traditional morality sort of films a sense of books a sense that all the way right through into the 70s and in terms of what i was talking about in terms of um, unwed mothers and them being sort of institutionalized and their, their children being taken away from them which is known in spain as the the stolen children los bebés robados. but they that still goes on up until the end of the the regime um and so in terms of gender violence as sort of violence that just you know, disproportionately affects the gender. I think that sort of there's an institutional level of violence um, and there's also sort of um, much harder to quantify, but continuing violence in prisons, in institutions, in, um, behind closed doors uh, that continues really until, until the end.
1: Um, when we look back from the modern day, how is this uh, the violence, uh, sort of everything we've talked about today? Uh, remembered is it contentious like some other events during this period of Spanish history
0: yes <laughs> uh, the short answer <laughs> um, so when uh, as 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 I'm sure you know this this podcast will will, will engage with it, with a lot um the 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 sort of the culture of silence that sort of emerges in the immediate aftermath you know the 1977 amnesty act uh the pact of silence um as it's more commonly known sort of stymies discussion of francoist repression uh against women um and as it sort of silences repression as a whole um and it's sort of i think it's it's that much more difficult because you have um you know looking at the archival documents of of you know of of these women who are imprisoned there it's it's a lot of the these all of these documents are written by Francois so it's incredibly hard to get a sense of exactly what's happening you have huge sort of a huge sense of erasure there um, and so you have that you know as I was talking about in terms of Tomasa Cuevas and her work in terms of getting these testimonies out there um, and sort of a lot of a push towards oral history um because there's sort of no with an amnesty obviously there's no potential for judicial redress um for, for people who've suffered uh, during this period and because of the nature of, of some of the violence such as you know head shaving it's so inherently shame it's so tied up in shaming it's designed to be shaming and humiliating it's incredibly difficult to empower people you know as i get talking about people who you know may not have even necessarily been literate women who may not have necessarily been literate and sort of now obviously much older sort of how can they where can they complain? How can, who can they complain to?
1: And with, with the length of time this takes place, I guess, you know, for, for a lot of women, you would, you would think that maybe they've, they've tried to move past that period, right? And that they have a life to live past that.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think that there is, there, 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 are, there have been some very brave women who have talked about the violence that they endured. Um, but this predominantly is sort of women who were imprisoned, so uh, there's a really fascinating documentary that I would recommend for any um, Spanish speakers. Um, it's, uh, it's up on YouTube actually. Um, and it's called um, Presas de Franco, so Female Inmates of Franco. And they take um, a lot of uh, experiences of different women that who are talking all about their experiences within Franco's prison, but these women were largely activists. So they were more empowered, potentially anyway, so more comfortable talking about their experiences now. And I suppose, there's a sense of vindication right you know we fought on the right side um now but for sort of women who may have may have experienced you know extrajudicial violence you know you know gender violence shaming violence on the streets simply for being the you know a family member of a a, of a republican fighter or uh, a mayor would they're not it's not so easy um to to do so um so you you have had in andalusia it's really interesting you know in 2010 they brought in because so much of sort of this policy is is devolved although there are attempts now uh, with 2020 2021 to bring in a new law of historical memory but the with the andalusian regional government they brought in uh reparations for women who faced head shaving in 2010 um which was highly contentious, (laughs) Uh, sort of more widely, Um, because there's always this idea of a sort of a tit for tat uh, that happens in terms of, oh, well, you know, this violence happened against leftist women, but then, you know, on the right, they will evoke violence against nuns, particularly. Um, And so there's this idea of, um, there's, there's, there's still a real struggle around the disproportionate violence that women endured at the hands of Francoists, this is not a tool to minimise violence on the other side, which also did happen. Um, but the systematic use of, of these sorts of practices um, that's decried by, you know, the International Red Cross in, in 1936, 1937, you, you, there has to be a recognition of that. But within that, that policy of giving reparations in Andalusia to, to these women who experienced head shaving, you know, there was positive... Uh, press response but there was also a very negative press response to it um and so it's still a sort of a real hot button issue despite so much time passing just because it's sort of it's it's this idea on the right of sort of opening historical wounds is how they frame it sort of sowing the seeds of division because there's so much there's such a history of political division um there's a sort of real fear of bringing that out again but also i think you know there's 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 a sort of a real struggle around sort of the recognition of so many people who who still don't know what's happened to their family members in in spain it's it's a very emotive uh emotive um issue still
1: thank you for joining me here today for this interview it's been uh really great talking to you
0: thank you ever so much it's been great talking to you